Mon- is it Monday? No, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday the 28th, 2020. And I've got Kurt Ivey uh, here today. We're waiting for Crest. So Kurt's going to tell us a little bit about himself. Uh, baseball coach, you taught as a school teacher for how many years? 32. 32 years. So go ahead and just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, okay? Thank you, Peyton. I appreciate being here today. Um, I'm a local, born and raised in uh, St. George in Washington. I just left the uh, education profession after teaching at Washington Elementary for 32 years and coaching baseball at Dixie High School. I'm excited about being on city council and uh, doing my best for the citizens of Washington. Awesome. And we just had a famous... Who, who are you? Tell us who you are. He's famous, everyone. <laughs> My name's Cress Staley. I'm born and raised in Washington City. Graduate of Pineview High School, Dixie State when it was a college. Southern Utah University, accounting degree. I've made a profession in the insurance and financial services business. And my biggest claim to fame is that I am Peyton Fisher's neighbor. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite say that claim to fame. So just so everyone knows, Crest just came in, so he doesn't know what's quite going on. We're just introducing uh, Kurt. I really wanted you guys to come on separate so we could have just you, but it's going to be so much fun to have both of you could, because we only have 30 minutes on the air. But right now we're on Facebook Live, and so we still have 18 minutes before we go live. So we're just I want to get to know you guys as individuals uh, because we look at, and I was telling uh, Kurt this, when we see politicians, when we see people, all, all we do is hear what they're doing. We don't know who they are. We don't know, do they have families? Really, are they involved in the community? You know, we, we just hear all this negativity about politics. So my goal is, is to make you guys humans and to know who you are before we go live. So he was telling us that he was a teacher for how many years again? 32. Wow. That, I'm, so you started in 1987? Yes. Because I'm 32. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. And you were a baseball coach, right? At Dixie High School, yes. So tell us about that. Well, it was a great experience for me. Um, I'll always have a soft spot in my heart for Dixie High Baseball that I started coaching when Coach uh, Wilstead asked me years ago. And I just could never let go. Enjoyed uh, lots of associations and friendships. Won six state championships along the way, which I'm proud of. And uh, just it was a great experience. Great to be a part of the program. And uh, I do enjoy all high school sports, so not what, just Dixie. So, what do you attribute six state championships to? That's pretty incredible. Well, in any any testament life, success comes through hard work, dedication. There's no way around it. You can't shortcut it. And the third thing is absolute teamwork. Everyone has to buy in to one common goal, and if you get that, then you're going to have a good chance of winning. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, now, now, quick quick question on the teams. Was your six was your six victories your six state champions? Was it from a consecutive team that did vibed really well that you were able to win a couple in a row, or were they one here, one here, one here, one here? I won state in two back to back seasons, and then we won two two individual ones. But yes, they were they were great teams. But again, they they were great athletes on all of them, of course. But they really had a special chemistry. Okay, that's awesome. Okay, so. Let's hear about 
my my amazing famous neighbor over here. <laughs> yes. So tell us a little about yourself. Now you were at you went to Pineview High. Yes. What year did you graduate? Ninety three. Ninety three. You were six. <laughs> and I don't feel that old. <laughs> well, I, I thought I was getting older. Sometimes I feel a little younger. Okay. So tell us tell us about you. Uh, how long have you been in insurance? Why are you in insurance? What do yeah. you do that for? Okay, so uh, insurance is what I do. It's it's not who I am, but I really enjoy my job. It gives me the flexibility to to be involved in so many other things in life, but it also allows me to provide for my family. So a little bit about me, background. The day after high school graduation, when my friends were going to Disneyland and Lake Powell and all these other fun places, I was on a plane for uh, headed for Fort Sill, Oklahoma. I went to basic training. I joined the National Guard and had a wonderful experience. I uh, was an artillery man for a few years, and then I spent two years in France okay. on an ecclesiastical service mission. Do you still speak French? Not as good as I, as I once did, but... Uh, <laughs> Je m'appelle, Peyton. Yes, that is definitely your name. <laughs> <laughs> so I speak French. Um, but as I walked in the Jennings building today, one thing that, that just uh, kind of, as, we're getting, as you're getting to know me and Councilman Ivy as individuals and not just politicians, I flashed back to my senior year of high school where I did a concurrent enrollment and I spent half my days here in this building doing flight school. And so I spent half the day at, at the high school and the other half I came and I took the private pilot ground school courses and, and that was my first taste of Dixie State. Okay. And I absolutely loved it. I, I ended up getting a job at the airport, the old airport up on the ridge. Mm-hmm. I worked on uh, at the fuel station at midfield. I worked for SkyWest a little bit at the front desk. And I think every penny I made, I put back into what at that time was only like 45 to $50 an hour to fly. So those were some of the best times of my life was, was, was through Dixie State and learning to fly and, and that period of, period of life. Okay. So do you still fly? I don't. Because I have a wife and children. (laughs) (laughs) And then all my money went towards flying and now it goes towards, and it's so much more. I mean, I've got a great family and and it's worth every penny I spend to, to make it a good life. Okay. And how many, how many kids do you have in your family? So we have a son and three daughters. Okay. And ages? Oldest is 21. Okay. He's at SUU. Uh, Next daughter, she's 18 at SUU. And then we have two daughters one at Crimson High and one at Washington Fields uh, Intermediate School. Awesome. Both beautiful new schools in Washington City. Okay. Well, that's that's nice. That's kind of, uh, you know, in your background. It's been right a now. long time coming. <laughs> Fair enough. And tell us about your family. Well, I have four children. My uh, oldest is a son, and he is 35. He works here locally for a construction company. My next is a daughter. She is... I better not say. <laughs> she's she's thirty or close to it. She has two uh, wonderful little boys. Married, lives in Washington City, a neighbor of mine, and two little boys. And then I have a daughter that lives in uh, New York City. Whoa! She went back to go to school in the medical field and met a a civil engineer that builds buildings back there, and they got married. And uh, I'm happy to say they're on the five-year plan to get back in the West where, <laughs> where I would like them. We see them probably locating in Vegas at some future point. And then my youngest is, uh, she's, gosh, how old is she? Probably 24. And she is in real estate. She just passed her real estate exams. Awesome. And she works for a local real estate company. And she has a beautiful little boy. She works hard and is a great mother. So very proud of them. 
That's awesome. Well, I just have to commend both of you being around you and just feeling your energy and excitement to, to make big changes. I, I'm, I'm excited to hear um, about what we're going to be talking about. So just if you guys are just uh, coming into our Facebook Live, we have Cress Staley and Kurt Ivey, both congressmen here in Washington. Councilman. Councilman. Con- congressman. Councilman. That, st- that's many levels up from st- what we are. I'm still working on all the, the correct po- <laughs> political terminology. Uh, there's a lot that you have to learn. That's for sure. Uh, We're going to be talking about today what's going on in Washington County. There's a lot of hot topics going on. There's a lot of change. Just give us an idea. Uh, Kurt, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. What things you'd like to talk about. There's just a a myriad of things. Um, I would like to – we could talk about the Lake Powell Pipeline. That would be a good one. We could talk about the economic summit we just uh, attended. We want to talk about um, Greater Zion and the Iron Man, maybe some – Oh, I don't know. Economic development. A lot of great things in Washington right now around the economic development side and our great director, Matt Liu. Uh, and then, my gosh, just some, oh, some, uh, our, our city's been involved in a training just last week that was very exciting and, and got it helped us to get to know some of our city staff. And, and the training was to help us all to work together for a common goal of, of what's best for the city of Washington and, more importantly, the citizens of Washington City. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Those are great topics. We'll definitely hit several of those. What about you on this side over here? Councilman Ivy covered many of them, but some of the not so flashy things that are part of a city, we could talk about roads. Okay. We could talk about electricity, power. We could talk about uh, water. I guess a, a little bit of those are covered with Lake Powell Pipeline, but we can talk about a lot of those behind the scene things. Um we could also talk about any processes. We're, we're really, uh, we're happy to go any direction you want to lead us today. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Would, I want this to be organic, you know, and just excited to talk about different things. You said to talk about the not flashy things. Why is it important to talk about not flashy items like roads? Yeah, I'll jump in on that one. You know, if you take cities and you kind of just break it down to the most basic level, we're grouping people together so that we can have conveniences, right? So government is organized by the people, right? The ultimate source of the the, the power, the authority. But part of that goal is that we're able to organize ourselves and provide services that that are convenient and in some cases necessary on um, on a in a better fashion. So that it would be difficult for us to uh, each go dig our own well, for example, right? But if we pool our resources together. We can have wells and we can have pipes and different things and we can organize ourselves to bring water. The same to go with power and roads are a big thing about that too. So those are some, and, and another thing that we, um, that we all appreciate, especially when we need it, is, is our public service uh, firefighters and police officers. So, so those are kind of the more core functions of a city, but, but we can talk about a number of other things as far as planning, but, but at the basic level, we want to we, we, we gather taxes and we spend those taxes on the basic and necessary services. Okay, so a few things before we really get into into the live. Tell me what happens when someone disagrees with what's going on in the city. What what do you guys do? How are you able to help them feel like you care? Because it seems like there's always one or two people out there that want to be the loudest, that want to be, I don't want to say obnoxious, but kind of that they say, well, my way is right and everyone else is wrong. How do you work with someone like that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that as best I can. First and foremost, we're not, we don't oppose 
a different viewpoint. A city councilman, we or city council member, you know, your your first role is to be the le- the local legislative body for the city, to make and enforce policy and and uh, and you know st- uh, city city ordinances and laws. But the second role of a city councilman is to provide for the uh, day to day needs and services of our citizens for the for their for their quality of life and their ease of life and comfort. And so you're going to get opposing or different points of view. And what I always ask is come and sit down and let's visit face to face. You tell me your concerns. I will listen. I, one thing I try hard to do is not to have a predisposed opinion about what sh- um, results should come of the conversation, but to listen. And of course, as a, as a council person, you always have to consider what's best for the whole. But you got to also remember what makes up the whole or the individuals. I've, I've always wondered that on, on how that works. Thank you. That's a great answer. Did you want to share anything else to that? I, not really. I would just, I, I would just concur with what Councilman Ivy is, is, is we represent the people first and we want to listen. Now, some of the decisions with which we're tasked to make, we're also tasks, tasked with uh, working uh, through with the ordinances, right? The constraints that we're already, they're already bound. There's laws on the books. Then we, when we take that oath of office, we uh, are required to, to honor those and, and follow the law the same way. So just because somebody wants something doesn't automatically mean the council as a group, right? Or the majority of the group can grant that. We, we, are, we have to abide the law, which is, is made by those who've come before us, okay. just like others do in other situations. So we sometimes in government, as we listen, there's not always a quick and easy answer. There's a process and nothing happens very quickly in government. So as these conversations come about, it, it can spur change and sometimes it gains traction and comes to fruition, but sometimes it dies off. But the conversation always needs to be open. That's why we sure appreciate you having us on because we want to be uh, involved with the citizens and hearing feedback and ideas. Okay, that's awesome. And my whole stance, so we're all clear, is is to be open and to let other people talk about what they want and, and to understand what they're going through. Yes. And so this has been one of my favorite things about having different guests on here is just to understand why you do what you do, how you do it. And so we've got five more minutes before we go live. So let's just talk about two, two and a half minutes each. Talk about why you do what you do in politics. Why are you here? You want to take that one first? Yeah, I'll go ahead. Okay. It actually started, my um, involvement in politics, if I'm doing the math right, started about 10 years ago. And we moved into a house in the Washington fields. It's a beautiful walkout basement lot on a corner. And as we were building our house, I was watching the heavy equipment cut a road in that led down to an elementary school down the street. Well, uh, the economy took a a dive. at that point and that subdivision still to this day is not finished so what it left me with is an unfinished intersection on the corner of my house mm-hmm. which every day driving home i was dodging traffic to just to get around the corner and pull into my driveway and whenever we had the heavy monsoon rains especially in in july we had uh rain that wasn't um running properly and draining properly to the lowest points and so I started questioning, well, how did, a, how did um, this road only become half finished and who was watching this? 
And so that led to me having some conversations and applying to be involved in the planning commission because the planning commission is the is a land use body. It's an appointed position where they actually review plats, review the the um, proposals of how new construction will build out, and then they in some cases approved, but mostly recommended the city council. So that's how I got involved was I had an issue literally out my front door. And that, you know, that was 10 years ago. I, I felt like um, I can sit here and just turn a blind eye or I can figure out how it, how the process works and get involved in being part of the solution. So I can tell you, every time I've sat and watched a plat map come before me, <laughs> I really watch where those roads line up because I still experience a half fi- uh, finished road right in my front yard. Okay. So it's been about 10 years for you then? Two years planning commission, a four-year term. I didn't run for re-election, and I'm back starting another term now. So, okay. so six of those involved, four as a, a not as involved. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And go ahead and take your spot, Kurt. Well, I would have to think that the reasons that I wanted to serve on city council is rooted in, first of all, gaining a love for our country and for the Constitution. I had five uncles that served in the Pacific theater during world war two and two of them didn't come home. I'm sorry. And so it was rooted in service. It was, I always compared what I was doing to the service that they provided. And during my tenure at Washington elementary, I'm very proud of the fact that we had a, not only a hero day for our local heroes, but we had um, veterans day. Washington has now become the premier uh, venue for Veterans Day celebrations. And part of that is that we, the school children, put markers on the Washington City Cemetery to recognize them as heroes, as veterans. And our parade, and, and it's grown into a great celebration. It's one of my favorite days of the year. But my desire to serve was started there. And um, being very familiar with Washington, knowing the people, being around a lot, and hearing people's comments in parent teachers' conferences gave me a real core, not only interest, but a desire. To, to be of service, to help the way that, that I felt like that I could and do the best. But I do, love, I do love our country, our state, our county, and most of all, I love our city. The people are amazing. There's a, a, a broad diversity in Washington City. You've got very wealthy people. You've got people that are literally working from paycheck to paycheck. But they're all doing their, their very best for their families, and I recognize that's a great responsibility to help them in that effort. That's awesome. Thank you. So we have, let's see, it's 2.59. We've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, let's talk about something fun that you guys like to do outside. I know this is kind of a left-field question. What's one of your favorite things to do, Chris? It's a love-hate relationship for me, but I'm a runner. Okay. So I get up early and uh, I pound the pavement and I do my best thinking and it's a lot cheaper than therapy. <laughs> so so I've run multiple marathons. I think I've ran the St. George 15 times and you know, I've ran marathons internationally and back in Boston. But uh but I, I keep my sanity, and sometimes I love it, and sometimes I hate it. But that's something I do is run. Okay. Now, you said a love-hate. What's something that you love that you don't hate? <laughs> something I love that I don't hate is... is uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you have something fun with your family? Oh, something that I love that I don't hate. <laughs> okay. I've really enjoyed coaching my kids um, in sports okay. over the years. Not to the level of, of Coach Ivy here, but, but I've coached um, Little League softball, and I've coached some you know, recreational basketball and things like that. So we, we like sports at our house and not just wow. running. And, and, I, and I always <laughs> love sports. Now, now, don't discredit running, not just running. <laughs> I mean, running is pretty intense if, if you're the one doing it. <laughs> yes. What about you? For me, Councilman Staley likes to run. I like to ride. 
I'm a motorcycle guy. I have motocross race, desert race, but uh, I have four-wheeler side-by-sides and two motorcycles to this day. But my last Saturday was spent out on the Hurricane Sand Dunes on a Razor, and uh, I love that. And I got to tell you, my friend and I that I was riding with, we stopped at one of the highest peaks and overlooked Washington and out to the west towards St. George and Ivans. And my friend made a comment. He said, we're very blessed to live here. And so we took a minute to really appreciate where we live, the the broad diversity for recreation activities, for the weather. And I grew up thinking we live in a great place because we go north to the mountains when it's hot or we go south to the desert when it's cold. It's a great place to live. Mm-hmm. I just love it here. That's a, what's your motorcycle of choice? Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a Suzuki guy. Okay. I ride a Suzuki four-stroke. Nice. That's awesome. Okay, so we are about 30... Let's see, thirty to forty seconds out. Let's talk about some more fun things. Just while we're while we're just about getting ready here, um, Chris, why don't you tell us about something fun that's happened in your family over the past few weeks? What are you guys doing for fun? Okay, a fun thing is uh, we have a, a daughter who is uh, going to be spending uh, eighteen months in uh, four months in New York and twelve months. Uh, 14 months in Oregon okay. as a missionary. So she uh, was excited to find out where she's going. And so so that's the first thing that came to mind, something fun. That was exciting. We were all wondering where she was going to be to be spending 18 months, and it ended up being a combination of places. So will she speak a different language? No, but she will be um, She will be at some historic sites that are significant to, to our family and to our faith. So we're we're excited for her to have that opportunity. Okay, that's exciting. And did you? Oh yes, you served a mission in France. For yes, your, for your yes, church. it's awesome. Okay, uh, let's see here. We have a few more minutes here. Tell me something fun that's happened in your family in the past few weeks. Well, I don't know. If this is fun, but my children tell you they were successful in in me hiring a a person to come and clean my home. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a I'm single, and uh, I am very clean, but not to their standards. So. <laughs> So once we once we got the house clean, the next thing we did last night is we went and picked out some new furniture. So okay, I know they they would say that's exciting, and if I can keep them happy and off my back, then that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> now, did you get a cleaner that just came one time, or are you getting a weekly, monthly? They ensured that it's going to be a monthly visit. Okay. I don't want to imply that I'm a messy, dirty person because I'm not. But this is that deep cleaning that. Just sometimes you just don't have the energy to do. Yeah, That was probably one of the best things that I invested money in. We have a cleaner that comes every week to my house, comes for two hours a week. And literally sometimes I wonder by the time I get home, I'm all, did the cleaner come today? Uh, Because I have four kids under four, four, three, two, and eight months, mm, and they can cause a serious mess very, very quickly. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to check over here and see where we're at. Let's see. Okay, so those commercials are going to play for just a little bit longer. So again, we are with Kurt Ivey and Crest Staley, and we're going to be going live here in just a few minutes, uh, 100.3. It is Tuesday, let's see, the 28th at 3.04, and we are going to be talking about topics on Washington County. We're going to talk about potentially the pipeline, uh, some different economic things that are going on here in Washington. Uh, sometimes I say St. George. I apologize. I, I, I lived in St. George for about... Oh my gosh, 14 years. So I'm just a new resident to Washington of about nine months. So it's it's still learning on where I live because sometimes I feel like I don't know where I live. So, okay, we are about 30 seconds out. So we'll just hang out here for just a minute. 
Let's see. Program one. Whoa, that's really loud. Okay, can you guys hear? Everything's good? Yeah. Okay, so let's let's lead in here. Oh, actually, I have an event coming up that I wanted to talk about for just a second before we go live. On February 20th, we're going to be having a training on training for greatness uh, at the Allies Building on Dixie. If you have any questions about that, uh, reach out to me, and we'll be able to get you some more information on that. It'll be at 6 p.m. It's catered, and it's going to be fun uh, to learn about uh, you are whole and complete and to be able to accomplish great things. So we've got about 10 seconds, and we are going to come live. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday again. If you're joining us on the radio, welcome. If you're watching us on Facebook, we've been on here for about 20 minutes learning all about uh, Councilman Kurt Ivey and Chris Staley. Uh, it's been fun to get to know them personally. If you guys want to hear all of what we've been talking about for the past 20 minutes, uh, jump on the Facebook, rewind it, and watch it from the beginning. Uh, right now, we are going to jump right into talking about the, I want to say heavy topics, but what's going on? You know, the unglamorous and the glamorous and what people have been talking about. Uh, so, uh, Kurt, if you'll go ahead and tell us a little bit about you. You told me a few things, and I wanted to go over one of those. Tell me a little bit about what we're going to talk about. Well, if it if it's all right with you, there are always uh, good information and hot topics right now would be the, the Northern Corridor okay. and the Washington Parkway as it relates to the nor Northern Corridor for our citizens in Washington City. Okay. The uh, Lake Powell Pipeline. Okay. That's always a hot topic. People are interested, wanting to know. Um, some other things that are coming along that, that are just exciting and fun, more on a lighter topic, is um, we attended... Councilman Stanley and I attended uh, with our mayor and our economic development uh, person, Matt Lou. We attended the economic summit. That was wonderful. Shared some time there. That was good. I went to that also. And uh, the last thing that is the the Iron Man that is just so exciting. But I need to let uh, Councilman Staley talk about that because obviously he's the runner <laughs> and I'm the rider. Okay, so let's start the very top one, the Northern Corridor. Yes. Let, let's go over that for a few minutes. So first, tell us what's going on. What is the Northern Corridor for somebody who's newer in the area? They don't even know what this yes. is. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Tell, tell me what's going on with the Northern Corridor. Well, I just came from a meeting, which is uh, the HCAC committee, which is the Habitat Conservation Advisory Committee, and they administer to the Red, the red uh, Desert Reserve okay. for the desert tortoise. And it's always a topic when you're – putting a roadway through an established um, habitat area and there's 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 certain things that has to happen and going forward that has been been I wouldn't call it a hurdle but it's just something that we have to that they has to be adjusted for because the habitat was was put in reserve because of a reason but yet the the need for a road in in my opinion is is absolute I, th I don't know that there's any other way to to uh, to go around that, I talked with good friends that run the uh, Dixie MPO, and have had several conversations over the last eight months about that. I felt like I've learned a lot about it, but the uh, Northern Corridor is um, a roadway for those that don't know that will exit. It will 
leave Washington at the northern end of Green Springs. It will travel travel west and southward towards um, the northern above St. George, and it will terminate behind what us locals call the Sugarloaf, and the non-locals would call the Dixie Rock. (laughs) And that's a roadway to provide east-west travel. And if you look at at road maps, you've got an east-west corridor in in I-15, and uh, St. George Boulevard, 700 south. But other than that, and, and also the road up on the hill, up on the on the Red Hill. But this would be a major east-west corridor for transportation. So is that where the new Maverick is on, what is, it, is that exit 10? That would be exit 13. Uh, exit 13. And is that you'd get off there and then you'd come all the way up and be down behind the Dixie Rock? Washington Parkway was where you, the road that you'd be on leaving the Maverick at exit 13 going west. And then at the top of Green Springs is where that Washington Parkway would convert into the habitat conservation area okay. of the northern corridor. And I, this is this is a shot in the dark here, but do you have any idea what kind of numbers that would pull off the boulevard? Well, the one fact that, that, that stuck out in my mind to that very point is that without the corridor within just a few years, that there would be 3,000 hours of cars idling at stoplights. Now, to me, that's a, that was a very impressive number. When you consider when you're talking about conservation and and caring for our for our planet, which I know all people are are very interested in that topic and wanting to do good things by that, but with cars idling that many hours per day, that's per day. It, yeah, it's astronomical. Here in St. George, three thousand hours, and that the average business hours per year is two thousand fifty mm-hmm. or something. So we're working entire year sitting. Well, you consider every car if it's going to sit for for a minute. And there was, say, 50 cars in that line. See, that's how they... 50 minutes. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on this? I think Councilman Ivy explained it very well. One thing that we've got to keep in mind is that of all of the cities in Washington County, Washington City will be the one who will be the most affected because there are residents there in the northern part of the Green Springs area. And as that connects into the Washington Parkway, we've got to be very sensitive as to how that road is aligned and how it connects down into exit 13. But but there's no doubt about it that we need it. But we've also got to be very sensitive to to that's a protected area and it's protected for a reason. But from from the word that I'm hearing is that there are some design features with the with the northern corridor part specifically that would allow for the desert tortoise to actually go under and um, and be less disturbed. So what we want to do is be able to make this be a, a very good compromise to where we can accomplish the preservation of an endangered species, but also, you know, tackle some of the, the environmental and, you know, lifestyle issues that, uh, that this area is facing. So, so uh, it's a tough decision. Most decisions in politics are, but this is one where I, I, I lean supportive of the Northern Corridor as well. Okay. So as it comes into the Green Springs, do you think it will affect the housing market there at all? Well, one thing to remember with that is that the, the Washington Parkway, it's going to follow utility easement, and that utility easement has been there for years before most of the homes were even up there, or maybe any of the homes were. Okay. And so this should not come as a surprise to those who live there, but it will affect them. And so as, as the construction goes out, as the plans be, begin to be developed, we want to do that in the most sensitive way we possibly can. Okay. And it sounds like you're probably going to get... Uh negative feedback from some of those people. Is that fair? Well, I, I don't know that, uh, that it, 
I think probably what I've what I've witnessed is that where the uh, corridor enters Washington or where the parkway exits in that area, our citizens their their lives are going to be impacted by that roadway and the amount of cars that will eventually be on it, and we are we are uh, very sympathetic to that. We've looked at alternate alternative routes, but as Councilman Staley said, the utility corridor means that. First and foremost, the water lines run under the roadway so that they can be accessed if they break. And that roadway and that that uh, path or road was designated years ago for that. And and that's been kind of hard to change things at this p- point that, you know, that we're there in a – that it's in the stage that it is in now. So it's just hard for some people as, as we grow, you can't make everyone happy. Well, and – Another thing to consider is if if you look in Washington City at exit 10, we're talking intersection of Telegraph and Greenspring Drive. There's a Hearts there and a Zions Bank, an In-N-Out Burger down towards Costco. That that uh, that intersection is being pushed to the max. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a group called the MPO or the Metropolitan Planning Organization, and it's a group that takes a high level view of all of the road issues in in uh, the county. And then the cities have representation on that board, and they look at these issues countywide. So we're not looking just for our own interest, but but certainly the the exit ten in Washington is a concern because of the traffic that gets backed up. So part of the Washington Parkway, irrespective of the Northern Corridor, would be to alleviate some of that congestion on the exit ten intersection. Okay, so it's going to help a lot of intersections, not just the Boulevard. Definitely. Okay, awesome. So let's so let's hit on the next topic. I li- I like this one because I think I opposed almost everyone on this, and, I, <laughs> and I'm okay with disagreeing because I'm open with it and I don't get angry about it. But let's talk about the pipeline. Okay, so tell me what your guys' thoughts are. What what's in the plans? What's in the makings? What's going on? 140 miles. Okay, from Lake Powell, with a little break off to Kanab. Okay, bringing the rest of the water into Washington County. If you look at the growth, the concern is that if we don't access our water rights that come from the Colorado River and we continue to send those downstream, then at some point within the trajectory of the growth that we have, we will not have enough water to sustain life. We are looking at the, the, the Washington County Water Conservancy District is looking at any and all uh, sources of water, reservoir, well, underground, etc. But it's just a, a, the fact of the matter is if we don't utilize the sources that are legally ours as a, as a state, then, um, then it could have some very dire circumstances to this area and we may not be able to get them. How, how did we, do you got, and this is another shot out there. How did we get water rights to something I, 120 miles away? I can, I can actually answer that, if, okay. I, if I may. Please, yeah. The reason that Utah, and specifically southern Utah, has water rights is because water that flows into the river in Flaming Gorge area. We actually have the right to take out the same acre feet of water that is put in. So it's actually Utah water. Oh. Now, the interesting thing here is that you realize that our neighbors – are, have been eyeing this water for a long time. And they would have some type of resi- residual rights if we don't claim them. Okay. And so you can't run a pipeline from Flaming Gorge to St. George. It's cheaper to take it out. <laughs> let, the, let the river do the work 
and then pull it out there. Now, as far as the uh, the Lake Powell pipeline, I just mentioned that it started into its scoping phase. We went to the initial scoping meeting, and they're expecting a decision on that in about a year. There's phases where the community is encouraged many times to to reach out and share their share their feelings about it. And you're going to hear some negative, some positive. But the truth is, we live in a desert, and our growth can't uh, sustain the amount of water that we have available. Now, I do have a, a background in geology, and what's interesting is when, as a, as a young geology student, we talked about this very topic. And we're fed, our water source in southern Utah is fed by the Navajo Aquifier. And that aquifier has really good water, and it has brackish water. And so there's a lot of ways to to get that water to the surface, but we we pretty much covered all those avenues to get the good water up. Secondary sources of water would be to um, treat the brackish water. They're starting a a project up at I believe Ash Creek, where they are going to collect that water. We're starting a new reservoir over in the in the uh, Warner Valley area. Mm-hmm. So um, Washington County and waters. Water Conservancy District, Zach Renstrom, who just replaced longtime uh, Ron Thompson, the retired last month. I had a conversation with him just, just this morning, and we had a very good discussion about where the Lake Powell pipeline is at. And, and they've been talking more recently about it going through the tribal lands. And they've run into some situations there that they need to resolve, whether, whether or not it will go around or through. But it sounds like it's going to go around. But the truth is we need the water. I'm not ready to dig up the grass and tear out the trees quite yet. But uh, I do know that we need to be proactive. And if I may just share one fact that might, people might find interesting is that in this graph or chart that we, were, that we viewed in a meeting recently, the worst state in the whole United States for water was New Mexico. Now, I lived in New Mexico. I lived in Albuquerque. I lived in El Paso. And even when I was there years ago, there was no grass. It was rocks and, and very, very arid, dry landscaping, you know, which can be nice if necessary, but if not. But anyway, the thing that was interesting about New Mexico was that years ago, their legislature made a commitment that they would work on um, reusing water, conservation-type things, rather than exploring new resources. And New Mexico right now is far and away in the worst position as a state for water. So they, they decided to put their money and time into to, uh, conservation t- and training rather than getting new sources, and that's put them in that position. So that also left an impact on my mind that we want to be proactive in, in water because, as I said, you look at the population going forward, it's going to require a lot of water. In fact, even with the Lake Powell pipeline, um, we'll be looking for additional water resources again in 2065 that's incredible and i want to talk about this for like an hour and yeah so tell me your comments and then we'll move on to the next one fantastic and some people might ask well how are we going to pay for this how do we pay for the pipeline Uh, right yep and there's estimates that are in the billions but if you look at it as a proportionate to the gdc in washington county it's it's not a large number but we're but it would be paid for like this impact fees right you build a new home there's a I think it's a $10,500 impact fee that's set aside for capital projects, which would include all sources of water, but including the Lake Powell Pipeline. Water rates for which, as a utility, the the governing bodies can only charge the actual cost of the the water, right? 
And then the last little bit that people pay for it is on property taxes. So those who are already here, they're paying for the pipeline or and any and all other sources of water only through the water rates, meaning what they use, and with uh, adjustments to property taxes. Impact fees will be a big part, meaning the new growth will help pay for the new source of water or sources. It's not solely the Lake Powell pipeline. Okay. Thank you. And I... That would be a great topic to go on for another hour. We could take a deep dive yes, in want, the water. I want to hit it. That's a good one. I want to hit a few more topics. What was the next one you had on over there? Well, the next topic um, that I had was one of a lighter. Okay, of a lighter one. Well, maybe let's go for the little bit lighter of one here. Okay, we'll we'll break things up a little bit. I want to talk about the uh, the Iron Man? Ooh. Okay. Okay, and and now I'm going to let uh, Councilman Staley address it because again he's the runner. Yeah, let's talk about because it. it's went it's went full, it's went half. What's going on now? So this year we'll have two, and Councilman Ivy has been to those meetings, so he can tell you the dates better. But we'll have the championships here in Washington County as well, and um, so we're prepping for that. Do you remember those dates offhand? Yeah, the uh, the wor- the United States Championships is in May, and the World Peyton the World Championship for Ironman. Is here in September. Like the world of the world. Of the everyone. world. The world finals. Ironman did triathlon. They, is, didn't they rank St. George as one of the hardest ones because it was so hilly and all over the place? Well, remember when the Ironman first rolled out, it was a full. Uh-huh. And they found that the topography is more uh, conducive to a half. Okay. So these are these are the, uh, the half Ironman. Okay. So this is the world's half Ironman. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, they're only half. I <laughs> know <laughs> I'm not going to say that to any one of their faces at all. <laughs> but obviously, you know the the organizers, the the athletes, the participants, they've discovered what a unique and special area this is, from Sand Hollow to the Red Rocks, and and it's the the cool thing about the Ironman is it really touches all of our communities. A large part of it's going through Washington City, and we as a city we're committed to to closing down the roads and providing services with with police and traffic and and just like the city of St. George and the other communities but but it's something I think we can all rally around and be really proud because not only does it allow us to show off our area but it brings a lot of people in and that's good for our economy. Mm-hmm. Do we have any idea of how much money that will bring into the community during those? 70 million dollars. Whoa. One per event or 70 million for both? There, I believe they were referencing the the worlds so, on that on so that amount. One, Seventy million dollars directly, and that's her. over about what four days, five days. It's September thirteenth through September eighteenth. That's five days. Right. That is incredible. There's a woman's a woman's race and a men's race okay. on separate days. So, so, they, so they'll keep it completely separate. Okay, that is that's super exciting. Will either of you be watching that? Absolutely. Oh, goodness. Chris is going to perform <laughs> <We> have, in it. <laughs> no, no, I'm a runner, a little bit of bike, but I sink in the water. I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> Peyton, we have big plans for this. Okay. And if I can just share some. Yeah, we haven't explored this fully, but I just thought how fun it would be to work with the school district to allow the kids to do a, a makeup day and be able to excuse school during that day, line the track through Washington and have these kids actually holding up flags of the countries, different countries participating, and let them kind of adopt a runner because all that's public information, adopt a runner and, and reach out to them and create kind of a pen pal situation and teach these kids that there's a great world out there 
and there's great people out there. And and the thing that's so great about this with uh, Kevin Lewis, who is the uh, director of Greater Zion, does such a great job in going out and, and getting this for Washington County. I mean, the economic benefits are real, but the benefit to these children to be able to see that stage in front of them, world-class athletes and and I can, I can tell you the one thing, I'm not a runner, but one thing I can tell you, there's a great camaraderie between runners and those that support runners. It's a great kinship between them. But we are excited as a city of Washington to host it. We want to be a good host. We want to be a great example to, to the runners and to the world. That sounds incredible. So can we help at all promote to get the kids out of school? Not the same that I want kids <laughs> not to go to school for that day. Is there anything that we can do to help with that? I don't know, but, but I, I can tell you this. We, we had a, a ribbon cutting for a brand new hotel off of Exit 13 in Washington City, and a longtime developer was there, and he had his grandkids um, out of school for that event. And the comment he made to the crowd that was there is, I took my children out of school today so they could get an education. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that our children aren't educated in the schools here because we have great schools, but there are some things like a ribbon cutting for a hotel especially if it's your family or an Ironman event like this, there are some, there are other ways to gain an education. So, so if, if that's something that come about, that would be a great idea for, for all the support we could get for this event. Well, well, just the education of learning where their country is, how big they are, what population they have, what's the economic growth, what, what's going on. That would be cool because it's associating with a real person. Yes. It's not just a country on a map on people that they don't know. So, and, and to have the runners or to have the participants reach back out, that would be incredible uh, for something like that. Councilman Staley created a great segue from the, uh, from the Ironman to some of our economic. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about what's going on here. <laughs> well, exit 13 is just exciting for us. Okay. We, uh, we, we've, we have, as I mentioned before, um, we have a new friend in Washington city and that is our economic development director, Matt Lou. Okay. And he, I, I visited with him this morning, and he shared some updates on some projects. They're coming into Washington City. We're excited to, uh, you know, great things are coming. I'm not going to steal his thunder. But uh, <laughs> we are excited about a, a medical facility, okay. and we're excited about some major, major partnerships with um, some ways to not only provide services and goods to residents and travelers, but to strengthen Washington City's tax, tax base. Okay, that's incredible. So now we're, I got to get a longer show because 20, <laughs> 25 minutes is not even close. We've got three minutes left. Um, what are other major things that are coming into Washington that you can get us excited about so we can look to the future? What else is going on with the economic growth? One thing that's maybe indicative, I don't know if it's exciting, but as you talk about exit 13, and, 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 and it's certainly exciting to talk about the commercial growth that's happening there. But as you, as you take the Washington Parkway off exit 13 south to Telegraph, okay. there are over 1,400 multi-unit units, either at some sort, in some uh, stage of platted to being built. 1,400. So what we're seeing right now is wow. that we are having a lot of, uh, of townhomes, apartments, condos, assisted living, different things like that. And these are exciting. People are, people are wanting to move to Washington City. And one thing that's really nice about that, and we can talk about this another time, is the great access to our unique parks and trail system that, that starts right off the Hell Hole Trail and down into Sullivan. So, Did you so say the Hell Hole Trail? I've never liked the name. 
<laughs> but he is but, accurate. But I didn't win that uh, win that argument, so I, I must abide. Uh, but I don't. But but if you go there, it is something. It is co- and there's a ninja park, um, a really cool little ninja park where uh, you can. Is that outdoor or indoor? Outdoor. Okay. I yeah, just heard about this. Very unique. And then you drop really far down to a trail system that goes along the Virgin River and it goes down into towards Sullivan Park. But there are some really exciting things with what we would call quality of life in Washington. Okay. So we're, we've got a minute and 20 left. Tell okay. us your last thoughts here. Uh, first of all, I've got to explain why it's called hell. <laughs> we, don't just, we don't just swear in Washington, but it's actually named by the pioneers – that settled at Settlers Point, just north of theirs, near Exit 13. Okay. And it was called that because they had to haul their water out of that canyon. Now, everyone needs to go and visit that beautiful new park and then experience the Hellhole Trail. It, it, you can get on it right there at the park, and then it exits down at Sullivan Park. It's a great trail. We love it. But I want to talk about one more economic. You've got 15, about 15, 20 seconds. Okay, here it is. Mega site near the airport. Washington City is excited about the possibility of having almost a thousand acres of developable commercial property for Washington City. A thousand acres. It's so called a mega site. So yeah. there's going to be great things that are going to be happening. Bring Matt Lou on sometime. Yes. Okay, that's Bring I wrote him down. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us. We had Councilman Kurt Ivy and Cress Staley. It was wonderful to hear about what's going on. Remember to tune in. Tuesdays at 3. We will be uh, Facebooking live probably at around 2.30, 2.45 to just get some good stuff. <laughs> Thank you again so much. Again, this is the Peyton Fisher Show. We'll see you folks next week. Have a terrific Tuesday.